Thank you for tuning in to the Restoration Podcast with James, Evan, and Dave, where we restore yesterday's tools for the craftsmen of today. Hey, fellas. Back again. Welcome Hi, back, everybody. gentlemen. Hi, Evan. How's it going? Very good. How are you? Happy Friday. I'm always excited when it's Friday, even though this episode might not come out on a Friday. It's Friday for us, and I'm super excited about that because I love Fridays. Fridays are pretty sweet. When I got know the weekend ahead of you, exactly. it means we got podcast recording coming up. It's going to be great. Ooh, so many interviews coming. Very excited. Some Indeed. Big, big names, too. We have, we have our topic for tonight, which we are going to be talking about oxyacetylene torches. All right, so that's super exciting. It's very important for restoration, can be used with a lot of things. But before we get into that, we just want to tell our listeners here, that we have some very exciting interviews coming up. Are we giving away the names right now, or do we want to wait a little bit? No, let's let them be surprises. Okay, surprises. Yeah. So we have some good interviews coming up. We have uh, some very uh, interesting people that we've reached out to, as well as people that have reached out to us that are uh, wanting to come on the podcast. So uh, we really appreciate those people uh, and their willingness to come on. Before we get into the topic today, remember that you can always reach us, um, the podcast, at our Instagram at the restoration podcast. You can also send us an email at the restoration podcast at gmail.com. We appreciate your comments. Please keep them coming. We get emails semi frequently once or twice, maybe. And we get comments on our Instagram <laughs> and messages from you guys. We really appreciate it though. When you guys, uh, you know, send your interests and questions and comments in, uh, we're happy to answer those and, um, and keep them coming guys. So, Today's topic is oxyacetylene torches. I think for everyone's sake and for the viewer's sake, we should lay out just completely honestly our experiences using heat to make metal stick together. Uh, I'll start. I've done a lot of soldering. I've done a lot of MIG welding. I've done sub-stick welding. And I've sweated pipes. But I have not truly brazed, say, cast iron right in the middle. So I've kind of bookended this conversation, um, and I know an oxyacetylene torch really empowers you for that hardcore brazing or even like uh, cast iron welding. It's it's the right the key tool there. Um, so I'm very interested to talk about this. I've toyed with the idea of getting one, but again, uh, you do enough research and you can kind of intimidate yourself. So uh, I'm kind of one of those trial by error. Kind of persons and this is one maybe it's good to have somebody help me out the first few times so i wanted to just talk with you guys and i guess evan what where where are you at coming from putting metal together yeah sure i i would classify myself not even as an amateur i i would be you know probably a complete novice here um the, the lowest end of the spectrum i mean i know how I'm, I'm dangerous enough to get two pieces of metal to stick together but that's about my limit um, I did it in college for a little bit. We didn't even have major lessons on it. We just did it, and they were like, hey, here's a welder. You know, take some scraps and practice with it and, and try putting these together. So that's, that's about where I'm at. But I would know how to get metal to stick together, um, you know, just using a, a MIG welder. That's pretty much where I'm at. I, I don't braze or, or weld cast iron or anything, even on my vices. That's why I, I work so hard to try to find vices that are in good condition because I know if it's broken – um, I'm going to be staring at it for a long time because I, I don't have the skills or the know-how at this time to fix it. It was definitely something that I would love to learn, 
Um, it's a very valuable skill. I just uh, never had the chance to get into it. And, you know, um, aside, you know, my shameless Harbor Freight plug here, you can go to Harbor Freight and get a welder that you can plug into your wall, but it's <laughs> probably not going to be the best unit. And if you're actually going to be serious about welding, um, you got to go in and get some decent supplies. But uh, anybody who's researched that, you know, it can be really expensive. So that's yeah. where I'm at with it. I, I, w- I would say, you, you know, definitely if you're on the edge for welding or any of this stuff, there's no harm in going the cheaper, simpler route, uh, especially if you want to see if it's something that you get into. Uh, people can kind of get into that purchasing rabbit hole where you, you look for the best stuff and all of a sudden it's going to cost you $5,000 to even start. So uh, not trying to make this over intimidating, but there, there is a place for the, the better equipment and, and by all means, if you're going to make this a real part of your shop or part of your operation, getting the nicer stuff will definitely ease your ability to get more done as well as be more enjoyable. But there's nothing wrong with starting small or starting cheap uh, just to see if it's for you. But Evan, when, when you were welding, did you guys have inert gas or were you using flux wire? Uh, we had both. Um, we, we practiced a little bit with both. Uh, it was it was mainly... Um, the the flux core welder pretty much yeah and we but we did have several setups welder we had actually really nice welders um they were older models um but you could control all the settings you know do ac dc um you know you could play thunderstruck on them that's a joke (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah you could you could do everything with them but they they didn't uh seem to to go much uh with that on the um in the metals class we we did you know, all the machining operations, we did uh, foundry casting, making patterns and stuff, working on the lathes. But when it came to welding, it's just not something that, that we did. Um, I, it's it's kind of sad, actually. I, I really wish I could have got some more experience with that um, because that that was, you know, quote unquote free back then. I could use that whenever I wanted. Now I don't have access to that anymore. So it's kind of a bummer. Right. Yeah, that's the same. It's so versatile. And I, I feel like once you once you have it in your arsenal uh it it becomes it becomes something that you see yourself using all the time and like needing almost i don't i don't know i feel like that's that's been my experience anyway in in the very limited amount of experience that i that i have and you know to speak on we were speaking about before my experience is is actually quite limited um like uh like james said i can sweat pipes i can solder wires uh i've played around with um with propane torches map gas torches more recently into oxyacetylene which is kind of why i wanted to bring this up because it's a total game changer um but then as far as like more modern welding process or processes uh i'm a, i've got a mig i've got a mig machine and um i have a couple i've got a little bit of other stuff that i haven't screwed around with that i can't speak to but but yeah it just um welding is incredible and if you if you're into what restoration there are just so many opportunities to basically hot glue metal back together using any one of any kind of welding process. And I would say just from my limited experience that uh, um, as far as from the price point, uh, oxyacetylene is probably the most bang you can get from any welding process. It can cut, it can heat up objects, it can braze things back together, and it can weld. It's nuts. Welding, really, you are making a molten pool, whereas brazing at a high, very high level, you are adding a layer of molten uh, softer metal to adhere to both surfaces. So right. that's right. that's the 
highest level takeaway, there's a lot more chemistry involved that I don't want to, nor can do it justice to get into right now. But, um, but Dave, we're talking oxyacetylene torches. What did, what was your setup before, and what drove you to getting one? So, um, I for many years used a just a regular blue propane plumber's torch to heat up stuck you know stuck fasteners and that was really the extent of what i was able to do with with that setup i mean um the temperature is relatively low it's you can't really make anything red hot with that without it being really thin and small um and not really having any major heat sinks around it so like you know if you wanted to turn uh if you wanted to turn a nail into a little hook say you could heat it red hot with a plumber's torch and bend it. Uh, that's about the extent of it. Then a couple of years ago, I switched to MAP gas, M-A-P, which is the yellow bottle uh, that you see at the big box store. And that burns hotter than propane. Um, and it can it's a little bit more effective at, at heating up thicker metals. Um, and within the last maybe, actually for about, I've owned a uh, oxyacetylene setup for about three years my dad actually had it when i was a kid it's the exact same rig that he had and he never used it because it scared the living daylights out of him when i was a kid and uh for good reason it's oxyacetylene can be kind of scary you know there's always that thought in the back of your head that you might explode <laughs> whether it's uh whether it's 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 a reasonable or found or not but um you know there's some pretty nasty gases going on in there acetylene is a very very reactive gas and you're you're dealing with stored high pressure pure oxygen which sure. can be extremely explosive so yes. I, I to, to it is it can be dangerous if, if your rig is is beat up or uh not taken care of the tidbit to, to look for is any leaks so old posts, um bad nozzles bad regulators um things like that if you have a yeah. clean setup that that's well maintained it, it's definitely not as dangerous unless you are um, being inappropriate with the stored um, gases. But yeah, it's it's nothing to to shortcut for sure. Yeah, that, oh, that's yeah. one of the that's one of the things that kind of is in my way right now for getting my own setup. Like I, I see oxyacetylene, uh, you know, bottles and and torch setups for sale quite frequently on you know Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace and. Um, Half the time I'm stopped by, well, should I even be buying these bottles? Because I know sometimes you know the bottles expire. Yes, they not, do. Not not like the 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 gases in them expire, but the bottles themselves, like they're welded and, and constructed in a certain way that um, you know, just like a propane tank for your grill, it can only be used for so long. It has a date stamp on it, and I'm sure three quarters of the ones I've seen for sale have probably have bad date stamps on it so i i mean i could use it but i could never take it to a company to get it filled again so it would just be a See, waste of money you might be surprised with that so the when i when i first took my acetylene rig to the gas supply um my the bottle that my dad had had since i was a little boy was out of hydrostatic test so those are i think they do that every three years or so and after a certain amount of years that have passed by, they have to have it tested again. And most of those places do not do that on site. So they actually wound up exchanging a bottle with me. And it was at a discounted rate because they could take that bottle and have it tested. And then they can, if it's good, they'll resell it. 
or they'll what do they once now once you have a good bottle you just go to the place and you exchange bottles with them like you're not they don't often just fill your tank up especially with acetylene because it's um it's more than just them pumping gas into that cylinder they're actually filling it with with um acetone and the acetylene is made stable inside of an acetone solution in the bottle so that's more it's a more of a complex process than is being done at a regular gas distributor right. And doesn't the doesn't the it has like some kind of honeycomb or something in it so it doesn't slosh around? Correct. It's, it's a yep. sponge. Yeah, yeah. you got yep. you got to have the bottle sitting up straight. It sits in kind of a spongy medium, and just like um, the carbon dioxide in your soda, the acetylene is is what's the word uh, suspended in it's the solution, acetone. right? Yeah. I said uh, so in solution. I think I think it's kind of yeah. dissolved in solution. Right, and it's also at a pretty high pressure. Not not when you're actually distributed out of the regulator. I think you can regulate it down pretty low, but sure. uh, when you get the tank, yeah, it's pretty high pressure. I, I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but it, I just get reminded of. Have you guys seen those old um, carbide miners' lamps? Yeah. That they they put on their hats. They they had a little a little vessel that um, they would put water in with uh, carbide chunks. And it would produce acetylene gas, and then that would burn on their their little lamp. It's actually an open flame on their hat. It's it's a cool yeah. cool little process. <laughs> so Sorry, cool. off topic. No, no, no. It's, We're it's talking awesome. about acetylene gas there. It's it's a cool little thing. I, yeah. I go down. I, sorry, to interrupt, like a little tangent. I go down the hole with like mine exploration YouTube videos. It's so cool. Those guys would like the miners would like graffiti the walls with the black soot coming off of their acetylene headlamps. So like they always write their names and dates and stuff like that. It's just it's cool because it's like you know yeah it's like a you know sooty acetylene flame coming off of those things. Anyway, but, yeah, get back get back to Evan's point. Um, my hesitations. Uh, I think that's where you're going, Evan. Was is really safety now that yeah. I have, now that I have kids. The idea of having those bottles anywhere, uh, even chained up against the wall. My kids are getting taller now. The ability to mess around with hoses or uh, valves. Before I get it, I, I'm trying to think of a safe way to store it that it doesn't also become its own concern if I you know, lock it away because you do want to be able to keep an eye on your tanks, make sure they're not getting tipped over or beat up or, or anything. So no, you can't like lock them up in a closet, but if you don't lock them up in a closet, then they're out for the world to potentially bump Nick or chuck a Frisbee at. So um sure, my sure. first hesitation is really the, the safety aspect of somebody else you know walking through because my shop is my garage i mean that's where bicycles are that's where other things that kids are getting into so you know one extra yank on a hose and it's a bad day in the garage right sure yeah i, I totally can feel that i mean i you know you know i'm the craziest risk taker in this probably in this bunch i uh i used to store my tanks in the basement of my house uh, which, you know, responsible or not, I kept them chained to a column um, just so that there was no possibility of that. But, you know, it's like I, I always felt like it was safe enough that it's one of those things. It's like it's like having guns. The guns aren't going to go and shoot anybody when they're not monitored. As long as, as, long as they're kept secure, um, they tend to be somewhat inherently safe objects. You know, the, 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 the possibility of catastrophic failure outside of anything anything calamitous happening to your house, you know, like collapsing or something like that is pretty low, uh, generally, but you know, the yeah. number, the number, the three top causes of fires in people's houses are men, women, and children. So those are always the risk factors. <laughs> true, true. And no, plus I, mean, I think there's, I, go for it, Evan. 
Uh, I was just going to say, plus, I think those bottles um, are, are designed in such a way that, you know, whatever the maximum operating pressure that's put inside of them, I think they could probably hold 10 times that and still be okay. Um, yeah, you know, with, the, with the safety there, factors. Yeah, my issue isn't, isn't thinking that the tanks itself is going to explode, is that someone chucks a uh, basketball at a regulator and the top goes off and now the garage is getting dumped in oxygen. Right. There's, so there, there's like, always that risk. Yeah. With, with my welding stuff, I mean, I pretty much strip it all down. All the cables and everything are put away. So even if somebody hit the power button, not that it should be plugged in, but nobody would be able to actually strike arcs without knowing how to assemble a welder. So I guess technically if I could keep, you know, people from walking by the tanks, I could disassemble the rig enough to make it you're right evan just a, a stored pressure vessel that really yeah. is kind of out in the way and i think they make uh protective covers for the top ends of those tubes when i do was, the thread, I, thread on bits the thread on caps that can be covered and i think you could probably even uh you know create some kind of a locking a way to, to lock those tops on there with a little bit of ingenuity i mean you just have to weld a shackle onto the side of the tank which is no big deal no, no. <laughs> yeah. No. But uh, when Shut I up. was a when I was a junior, or junior or a senior in college, you know, I mean, we all know gas can burn, and and right, you know, we have propane and acetylene and everything. Gas burns, okay, when you when you strike a match to it. There at the main intersection, um, going to uh, Millersville University, where is where I went to college, <clears throat> they were drilling under the road with one of those drills um, that, you know, can, it, <clears throat> it can direct the drill bit anywhere it needs to go to like lay uh, cables and things under the ground. Oh, yeah. so it, it was going under the intersection and they struck the gas line for the neighborhood oh. and it was pouring gas, natural gas into the streets and into the houses. And the one house that was close by, it filled with natural gas and caught the pilot light on the, um, the oven and it blew the whole front of the house off and it, it's crazy powerful. I mean, it, it was, they, they caught it on the news cause they were there reporting on it and it was just amazing to see this whole front of this house fall off and just because of the gas that was inside of there. So it, it's nothing to, to play around with, you know, you gotta make sure you're, you're working safely with whatever kind of gas you're working with. Um, and I think acetylene gas is even more, more explosive than that. So, yeah. <clears throat> Well, now, sure. that, now that we've terrified our viewers, Dave, how is it? <laughs> yeah, how is it useful? It's helpful, it's, too. It is so useful. My gosh. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's scary. There, now, just, just to continue on that point for another five seconds. There was there was a long time when I had that oxyacetylene rig when I did not touch it because I was terrified of it. I literally, every time I used it, I was concerned that I was going to explode. So I didn't touch it. That's just like my dad did for, you know, 20 years while he had it. Um, when I was, you know, living at home anyway, so usefulness, right? So oxyacetylene is incredibly versatile. So for starters, if you have to heat anything up and I mean like actually heat anything up, you can heat big stuff. You can heat little stuff very quickly with oxyacetylene. You know, the, the hottest part of the oxyacetylene flame, they call it like the inner cone. It's basically a, um, a perfect mixture of acetylene and oxygen. And it burns, what was the number we found? Between like 60, 6,300 degrees Fahrenheit was the highest. Yeah, that's that's pretty hot. I mean, that's that's really hot. That's like the hottest thing ever. So, <laughs> like, for instance, there were some things that I had stuck recently 
that I tried getting with my map gas torch and the bolt that was stuck just kind of just laughed at me and like continued being stuck. And when I pulled out my, um, my oxy rig and I, I put on like a little welding tip, a little brazing tip on there, like one of the smallest tips that you can put on the thing. And I hit it with a nice blue flame for about eight to 10 seconds. It came out like it had just been installed. Like it was not even, there was no resistance left. You know, everybody's seen the silly meme. It's like, you can't be stuck if you're liquid. That's oxyacetylene gives you that capability. And it's incredible for anything you wind up doing with it um, in terms of restoration or even fabrication. Um, so you have the ability to heat things up. You have the ability to cut with a cutting torch with the cutting head. Um, you know, if you, you can cut up to three inch thick steel, I believe, if not greater with um, with a standard uh, oxyacetylene cutting torch. That's incredible. If you needed to make a new part, uh, I mean, especially some of the old cast machines that we like to play around with, if you were going to fabricate a new piece or needed to chunk off a block to mill down on your milling machine or using hand tools, there's nothing better than using an oxyacetylene cutting torch. I made a, um, I made like a 10 pound sledge square uh, uh, firefighting tool for my buddy, a square headed tool. And I cut out the blank for it using an oxyacetylene rig. And it took me like five minutes to cut through two and a half inch thick plate steel. It was incredible, like a, just a big square to cut out just the right shape. And then, you know, we talk about there's what you can weld with it. You can either use fusion welding by just heating up two sides of, a, of, two, of two surfaces and, and letting the pool form between those two, the molten pool. You can use, um, you can use steel filler rod or, or brass filler rod for brazing. Um, and the coolest part about all of it is it doesn't require electricity. So if you don't have that, you know, 220 power source in your, in your shop, or you have to go fix something out in the middle of a field somewhere because you're a farmer or, you know, you, you got uh, your buddy called up and he needs something fixed and you don't have and he doesn't have the electricity. It's all there in the palm of your hand and it's relatively compact and portable and it's basic, super basic. Um, so it's just that alone to me is that piece of admission, which generally is not a whole lot of money. You're talking about a couple of cylinders, pressure vessels. Uh, you're talking about a little bit of gas product, both oxygen and acetylene, and a ho couple of hoses, a couple of fittings, a couple of tips, and some basic uh, PPE, gloves, some kind of a, uh, like a dark visor, um, and, um, and leather, leather goods, you know, that's basic, it's, and it's great. Yeah, we were talking before we hit record, um, it, it is important that PPE side, uh, you wouldn't uh, believe how quickly the radiation given off by brazing or welding could end up giving you a, a nice little sunburn. So just something to think about unless you're you're doing a little spot job, letting off that much heat for a while, it can do damage to your skin as well. Um, oh my God, 100%. Going, going back to welding though, um, there. There's a lot of welding, especially when you get to uh, much larger, thicker materials where you don't want to be welding on cold material. In fact, you get much better penetration if you preheat the material. So you'll see guys on YouTube that'll use their oxy setups to warm up a large area around the weld. And that way, while they're welding, the weld heat is not shocking the material. I've seen this a lot for cast iron where guys uh, aren't brazing, but they are using a different welding technique that they'll first preheat, you know, say you can't put it in the oven, but you can preheat a large area very quickly. And that way 
uh, you're not shocking a local area. When you when you've got older cast iron or uh, you know what is it called hog iron um, or pot iron, um, yeah, that stuff has a lot of inclusions. That if you give it a, a huge thermal gradient, it, you know, it can make it even worse. You can find cracks coming right out of the well that you just made. Yep, yep. You end up just chasing it forever. So uh, it is a useful tool for heating to support a different operation of welding. Yeah, preheating is is done. I've seen it done a lot. Um, watched a lot of videos and and heard people talking about uh, successful repairs on anvils. You have to you have to preheat the anvils uh, in order. You know, if you know, had chipped edges or maybe the uh, certain types of anvils have the top plate that's welded on there, and you have to fix that. Um, you, you preheat the anvil, <clears throat> and there are um, these really cool. I guess they're crayons that come in different colors and you can determine how warm something is by wiping this crayon on your piece of metal. Oh yeah. Depending on if it melts, you'll know what temperature because each crayon is meant to a certain temperature range so that it's, it's right. a good resource to have. You, you, you mentioned the crayons. Cool. It's super funny. One of my internships uh, for an engineering job I had a long time ago, the, they use those crayons. Uh, specifically for inner pass temperature, so the welders are weld, and then they their requirement is they got to let the metal cool down to a certain temperature. So they've got a range of those crayons, and they strike around the area until the one in their spec says it needs to not melt anymore. It doesn't melt anymore. That way they can add the next layer of their weld. Well, the they got a bad shipment of these crayons, so they were melting. They actually found out that their melting temperature wasn't what the vendor said they were. And so my internship project was taking samples of these crayons and sitting there with a hot plate and just melting them with a hot <laughs> gun or with a heat gun and just watching what temperature they actually melted at so that we could go back and say this brand of crayon is to spec and this brand isn't. And that way we were able to go and uh, chase after Yeah, that, that's that's no good because if you're not getting your specs right, you know, that could really mess up. You know, the, the weld at the end might look perfectly fine but when you go into inspection or or actually go to use the product it could be seriously messed up and and not function like it's supposed to so that that's that's a big deal you know you think uh i mean i know those crayons are more expensive than actual crayons but you it comes down to basically a crayon you know telling you the wrong thing and you're messing up a hundred thousand dollar part yep yeah but seriously I, I got to spend a week of my life melting crayons and uh huffing that and just sitting there taking data. That was super oh my gosh. fun. <laughs> Major nerdgasm. That sounds well, fun. <laughs> that's what you do interns is you make them take data. So that's I got it. it. Now cool. I can. But you know, we're we're talking about welding. We're talking about brazing and uh, oxyacetylene. And I mean, like we said in the beginning, we are we are by no means experts in in any of this. We are are minor practitioners in the art you know we we could we know enough to be dangerous to get stuff uh to stick together and and fix some stuff i know dave's work uh worked with this on his power wagon he's doing some great work with that and he's learning a lot along the way because he shares it with us and and it's it's a great process but i'm, I'm gonna he's he's not part of the podcast he's not he's not paying me to say this but if you want to see somebody that can weld i know there's a lot of great people out there that can weld but Go check out Caveman Welder on Instagram. He is absolutely insane. His welds are top-notch to the nth degree. Um, so you go check him out on Instagram. He is a, a fantastic welder, and he makes some. He, he actually does really, really great work with vices as well. If you're into that, 
Yeah, I, I'm going to give a shout out. If you want to see someone deal with the craziest repairs, uh, I mean, this is like like you mentioned, out in the, the middle of nowhere on a farm fixing big tractors, you got to follow Icy Weld. This guy is the guy they call out when nobody else can make the repair. He's doing crazy welds on very stressed out part aspects of, you know, backhoes and, and big heavy equipment that, takes a lot of load, so you have to be really, really good and get multiple layers of penetration. So Icy Weld is uh, is the guy to follow if you want to see someone tackle some crazy repairs with welding. I got one more. I, this is less, well, this is just metalworking in general. One of my favorite metalworkers on Instagram, it's a, it's a woman from Texas. Her name is Ray Ripple, R-A-E Ripple, R-I-P-P-L-E. She is a firefighter. She is a metalworker. She's a bad chick. Uh, she does some amazing metal work, um, making things with uh, with plasma cutters. She does all kinds of art installations, and she also just does repairs and general fabrication. And she is a she's a bad girl. Uh, it's it's cool seeing women that can that really know how to handle this stuff. Um, nice. And she's definitely one of the top. I, uh, I I would say that that we've danced around talking any real knowledge on oxyacetylene. So I <laughs> our listeners go check out a wonderful YouTube video that I wish I watched recently so that I could take credit for being a smart. Have you guys heard of This Old Tony? This oh, Old yeah. Tony's awesome. I love This Old He's Tony. He's great. This Old Tony has an episode called Let's Talk Oxyacetylene. And he's he's got this wonderful dry humor that I think this audience would enjoy as well as he gets into a bit of the chemistry he talks about the different types of nozzles and bottles and, you know, just good, safe practice. So I should have I should have watched that recently. But they, I remember it was a great, great YouTube video that kind of takes you from nothing to something in the world yeah. of settling. Well, the truth is, and we've talked I've talked about this on here before, is that I'm not, you know, officially trained in anything. I, and I mean, you guys are in similar ways. You have some some real training, but. You know, I got I got nothing. I was using a <laughs> I was using an IKEA hammer three or like five years ago, and that was like the best tool I had. Um, but YouTube is there as an incredible free education source. And to be completely honest, anytime I have to do any kinds of changes with my with my octacetylene setup, I usually watch three or four videos from some trusted sources. Like Weld.com is excellent. There's some really old school like. Uh, welding school videos out there that are you know shot in like the 90s that talk about proper usage of the tool and safety tips and et cetera, et cetera. I always have to I always cross-reference my tip size that I used with my oxy rig with a chart that I get online. It's also available in print obviously but that's convenient for my shop. Um, but you know I'm I'm making all this stuff up up as I go and with the exception of safety rules I did a ton of research about um, you know how much you're able to safely flow through these things because there's a certain amount of uh, there's a certain amount if you're flowing too much or too fast with the oxyacetylene that the uh, the the acetone can start leaching out into your into your flame and that's dangerous. Um, I wound up investing in flashback arrester, which basically if you if you're if you're not running enough pressure in the acetylene. The flame can back up into the torch, and you'll notice that right away when it, if the torch starts kind of buzzing or vibrating in your hand. And you'll hear a pop sometimes if you wind up that flame kind of backs its way into the torch or into the tubing. The scariest possibility is that the flame goes all the way back to the bottle and explodes, which is not something you want to happen. 
So hmm. they make these these devices that you can purchase that actually thread in in line with your hoses. And they it's it's like a place for that flash. It's a flash. They're called flashback arresters. It's where the flash stops. Um, like, a, like a check valve. I'm not sure exactly how that. It's a check valve. It's a one way check valve. It's exactly what it is. Um, so it just kind of gives you that element of safety. And I felt like I needed that in order to feel confident with with sort of, you know, shaking hands with danger as AVE talks about oxyacetylene usage. It is a little scary. Um, for sure. But having those things in place kind of give you that confidence. No, but even no. if you do screw up, you'll be all right. Now, it is, correct me if I'm wrong, with oxyacetylene, isn't there, you're supposed to find the right balance, um, but some, some operations do require you to go a little higher on the oxygen or the acetylene, right? There are certain reasons why so, you, you would want to have a, a, a higher or lower mixture, right? A, a carbonizing flame or a carburizing flame. Right. And then you have an oxidizing flame and a neutral flame. The neutral flame is a balance between uh, basically equal parts oxygen and, and acetylene. Uh, oxidizing is when you have too extra oxygen in the flame, which is kind of characterized by a loud hissing sound as you're operating the torch. And then they talk about the uh, the carb carburizing flame is uh, is when they're it's sort of kind of difficult to explain. So there's like they talk about like a feather, a acetylene feather coming off of your flame. This is all easily found on a quick Google image search, oxyacetylene flame types, and you can see what we're talking about here. But um, the oxidizing flame can can add a lot of additional um like i guess oxidation which is not something you want very fast rusting of your metal which is not good and leaves um i think porousness in the steel and, or in the weld and it just you know these but all these things can cause issues anyway um i think one thing maybe you're thinking of is with with cutting you're actually using oxygen to blow the molten metal through the through the steel causing kind of a runaway chain reaction of creating molten and so when you when you're welding, you you put that flame, that neutral flame, onto the edge of a piece of steel that you want to cut, and you heat that steel up until it becomes kind of looks starting to look a little bubbly, like a little bit. Mold. And then you you slam a valve, and it blows this really concentrated jet of oxygen straight through that molten pool, and it just it just explodes right through that steel. It's insane to watch, but that's using oxygen as your as your cutting media it's it's really neat yeah it's a it's a great great process and you know like we've said you know a couple times already we we freely admit that we're no experts in this subject but we recognize that it's a a very valuable part of the restoration community and um you know obviously in industry people use this a lot on, on all sorts of projects but when you're when you're working on that restoration, sometimes you have a part that inevitably is broken. I think we've all ran into that where um, a piece, an original piece from a machine or a tool, is broken, and you know that there's probably a 99% chance you're not going to find a replacement for that. Um, but you have the pieces, and you can take that and weld them back together, brazen back together, um, and and preserve that part. Now it's not 100% original, but it functions exactly the same and and you can get those to work again, and it's it's a valuable tool, and it's it's something that um, I know all all of us, uh, us three here at least, um, would love to learn more about. Um, so I'm definitely going to try to brush up on uh, welding skills 
because I, I, I would love to learn more about that. Yeah, this, this, this alone is something that is keeping me from getting the Crescent table saw back together because in, in its disassembly, I cracked the cast base in two places. And so before I put it back together and put it under load, I need to repair it. And I'm, I can't find a welding setup with the welders I have. They're, they're not fancy welders um, that would make me confident that I could repair it uh, and not do more further damage to the casting. So this is just a, a huge hurdle for me, probably more mentally than physically or financially. But mentally, I, I've just built so many barriers to getting into it. And uh, right. I need a lot of opportunities to practice before I go try it on the one thing that matters. Brazing, brazing really is incredible. I mean, you're talking about, um, like you said earlier, I mean, in, in, in layman's terms, you're, you're using uh, brass as a glue. You can, you can use that to, to repair big cracks. You can basically stick two pieces back together without getting them all the way up to a full welding temperature to the point where, um, you know, if you bring a, a steel as a filler rod, you can fix something at lower temperatures than, than with actual welding itself. Um, I, actually used i brazed a uh, broken wilton pattern makers vice back together uh several years ago when i was still in my old shop and it scared me to death because i wasn't comfortable comfortable with it and i wound up i used i even used the wrong tip i was using a freaking uh cutting tip that i didn't use the oxygen on it was but it was totally wrong and it's but it still worked because it's it is just simple all you have to do is get the both sides of the metal red hot and you just dab 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 with this brass rod and it fills in and, yeah. uh, you know, you can make it proud and you, you sand it or grind it down after the fact. And it, it works. Uh, and it's neat. And I mean, this old Tony in his video goes into, you know, talking about joining dissimilar metals. You know, if I wanted to attach a piece of aluminum to a piece of steel, how are you going to do it? I mean, aside from JB weld, <laughs> that's not a good, very good option. Talking about dissimilar or non-ferrous to ferrous metals, uh, you almost have to braze it. That's really your option. Yeah. And, you can join those or, or a large object to a very thin object to get those um, to get something like really skinny attached to really something really fat and heavy. You're not going to be able to weld that. It's just not going to work um, unless you're incredibly talented and do a ton of preheating. Brazing is perfect for that kind of an operation. Um, and just, yeah, like you said, in general, with repairs, things that are impossible to find. My um, my paper guillotine style paper cutter i have a part that i have to braze back together because i guarantee you that one exists out there but there's probably one part out there that exists to replace this part and i'll never find it so i have to fix it and brazing is the go-to method for me nice yeah so well I'm, I'm slightly more motivated to get a rig but i'm still just as terrified so Sure. Just, yeah. <laughs> just do my own soul searching and get over it. I don't. I don't blame you, dude. Listen, it is scary. I. I mean, the, there's a couple times to like. All right, I talked about the torch. The torch tip buzzing in my in your hand before a flashback happens. I didn't know what that was until recently, but it happened to me all the time when I, you know, it was when I was new at this. The torch would be violently vibrating in my hand, making weird noises, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die. This is gonna explode. But like. Part of me is motivated because I'm like, you know, the metal is like, oh, my God, something is happening. Something bad is happening. <laughs> so um, we, we might as we might be, you know, more motivated to get, uh, you know, brazing and welding and stuff going and learning more about that. But something we are 100 percent definitely excited about 
are the interviews that are coming up on the Restoration Podcast. We have some great people signed up. Uh, I'm not going to tell you about them right now because we want to be a surprise. Um, we're still working on conversations and getting people 100% lined up, but we got some great ideas, great people coming down the tube who want to share their knowledge uh, with you guys. So we greatly appreciate your listenership. Um, remember that you can uh, find us on our Instagram at the Restoration Podcast, as well as you can send us an email if you have a question or a comment at the Restoration Podcast at gmail.com. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up today, gentlemen? Yeah, I guess go big. Go melt some metal. Have some fun. Yeah, go play with your oxyacetylene torch, but be safe. <laughs> yeah, hashtag don't die. Seriously. Hashtag don't die. Absolutely. <laughs> but you'll love it. I'm serious. Get some knowledge. Watch some videos. Go buy yourself a rig. It will absolutely change. It'll change everything. Uh, once you get confident with it, it's it's the best. It's it's one of the best things in my shop right now. And and I would say if you know somebody who has a rig, ask them to show you because having someone set it up. This is how I learned welding was someone helped me set up the machine for the first time and walk me through. Just that and alone, it's a comfort, and uh, you pick up so much more of the nuance than you could ever do from YouTube. So if you know a buddy, know a relative that has it. I'm sure people would love to show off that they could do that kind of thing, and, and you, you'll learn leaps and bounds even faster than watching on YouTube. 100%. For sure. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. We appreciate it. And this has been the Restoration Podcast with James, Evan, and Dave, where we restore yesterday's tools for the craftsmen of today. Thanks for tuning in, guys. You guys are great. We appreciate you. Woo-woo! Bye. 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 <laughs>